1: This is Sunday Skate on WEI.
2: Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go.
1: That's a really good acquisition by Toronto. It makes them significantly better. They got three big-time centers now, and they got a guy that, uh, you know, I, I just, I know Ryan really well, and Ori's a, a really really good hockey player and he's someone that
0: cares about winning and has a lot of winning habits to his game. From a dressing room standpoint when other teams are adding is there a feeling in the room that okay now we have to maybe add
1: somebody as well or do you feel comfortable where you are? No we're really comfortable uh, you know I still would take our roster over anybody else's so we're comfortable. All
0: right that was Jim Montgomery pre-game yesterday I was asked about the Toronto Maple Leafs trade for Ryan O'Reilly and Nolichari, by the way, also in that trade. Another guy Bruins fans are very familiar with. O'Reilly brings back some bad memories if you're a Bruins fan. He was terrific against them in the 2019 Stanley Cup Final. Uh, Went head-to-head with Patrice Bergeron's line a lot that series. Wins the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. Now, that was four years ago. Uh, He's not quite the same player now. He was having a down season before the trade. Uh, just returned from a broken foot. But th- three points in three games with St. Louis before the trade. And, you know, the Leafs can really use him in a bunch of different ways. They Their first game with him last night, they had him as uh, number two center with Tavares actually bumping over to the wing. But they could put him as the number three center, and he immediately would be one of the best number three centers in the league. He could play wing. It does make that Leafs forward group a lot deeper, and I think the nat- natural reaction razor is that a lot of times when you see these division rivals, when a potential playoff opponent, make a big trade like this is, well, you have to respond. You have to do something. Do the Bruins have to respond, or is that a little bit of overreaction? No, it's 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 –
1: I mean, that's what we do at this time of year. We overreact. It's certainly an overreaction because, again, at the end of the day, you want to have the best roster on March 4th. And you listen to Montgomery, and, and it's hard to argue that just the, because the Bruins made their roster better in September rather than March, it, it's kind of irrelevant. And I think it also goes it, – it, It's it's also a different situation because Toronto – had an obvious need, and that was Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari. They needed those two players. It was very obvious they needed that up front. They had a bad bottom six. It's been disrupted all year long. Noel Chari solidifies that, and, and to that point, Ryan O'Reilly can solidify that, but they needed a winner in that lineup. That Austin Matthews, Mitch Marnold, these guys have won nothing. So they needed a winner, and they needed a guy in the bottom six who can be physical, who can get in on the four check, can play a tough game, who can kill penalties. They got that in both of those players. So it was very easy for them to target what they needed, go out, pay a pretty big sum for two rental players. That's it. There's a lot of talk. Like They gave up a lot for two guys that can go away in six weeks. They can lose to Tampa in the first round. They're going to have no draft picks next year. And obviously the management doesn't care about that because they're fired if, if they don't win that first round. So that's the difference in this scenario. And the same with the Tarasenko deal. I see that that was an obvious need. They were, the Rangers were, they went and tried to get Trocheck, didn't work in the offseason, so they had to make another move to get a right winger for Panarin and that line and that power play. And Tarasenko was an obvious choice. So they went out and did whatever they had to do to get that guy. Like we've talked about, the Bruins don't have that obvious need. So they have different ways, different kind of players that they can get, but it isn't like, oh no, Bruins really needed a third line center and really needed depth in their bottom four. The Leafs beat us to that. Now what do we do? That isn't the situation here, and that's why I don't think it's uh, you we can overreact a little bit. The other point is is they're not playing the Leafs in the first round. So it's like, all right, whatever. Let them do their thing and and see what happens.
0: Yeah, and you know, I do think there's a danger in being too comfortable though, which I I don't think the Bruins are like, I don't think they're taking that approach, but at the same time, if you're Don Sweeney, you know, you're not just resting on your laurels where it's, Hey, I had had a good off season, you know, putting this roster together. We have a great record, you know, I can just sit back and whatever falls into our lap, you know, I'll pick up a scrap on March 3rd. Like you don't want to do that either. You still want to be exploring every option. And you know, whether, That is just depth, as we mentioned, which you can never have too much of. Or if there's an impact trade to be made, you know, for a... I don't want to say bigger name, but, you know, for a higher in the lineup type player that makes sense, I'm still all for that. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be out there. Some of the prices sound pretty crazy. Even, you know, to your point about what the Leafs gave up, like... I I guess I really only care about the first-round pick, and that's probably going to be in the 20s anyways... But they did give up four draft picks, uh, you know, one, a couple of them really just to retain salary. And that does leave you a little depleted when it comes to draft capital going forward and adding prospects. Um, but, yeah, they're all in. And, and if I'm the Bruins, I'm, I'm fine with trading any draft pick this season. Like, you're, you're trying to win. So, yeah, they don't want to trade another first-round pick. They've gone without one three of the last five years. Uh, we know they don't have a great prospect pool, but if there's a deal out there that makes sense, like you've, you've got to be willing to do that and you've got to at least be exploring every option. That's
1: yes. No, there's no question about that. And we know the Bruins are, Uh, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Don Sweeney isn't on the phone, maybe right this second. And, and, if he came out and, and and threw a press conference this afternoon and said, no, we're all set. We're not making a deal at the deadline. Yes, that would probably concern a little bit where they're complacent and they really feel like I don't see that happening. I don't see that being the case. They want to make their team better every single day. And they see and recognize that that need. So so no that that's that's not the situation. They just didn't need O'Reilly. They didn't need Achari. So he goes. They go to the Leafs, and and now you you continue to work the lines and and see what else is out there. And Razor, don't you think though that if you're you know you don't want to stay complacent at the deadline, but you also when you're thinking about making one of those bigger moves for an impact guy, that does the issue become not. Making your team worse if you have to move, say a defenseman, or in the case like like you mentioned earlier, Scott. You know the the idea that Jeremy Swayman could be packaged in part of the deal, oh, uh, which we're, we're Scott and I there. both Scott and I both disagree with. But um, you know you also have to make sure you're not. Hurting your team by going too hard um, on for for a guy that you think is going to impact
2: the team, but you don't want to change things up too much in your active roster.
1: No question, and, and you are also bringing players in. Don't forget into a line. Okay, so so you bring in a, a defenseman. Who are you taking out of this six? Who they they've played so well. So if there isn't an injury, who's coming out of this top six the way they've played? You bring in a top nine forward. Who's coming out of that top nine? of this Bruins team now that DeBrusk is back that makes you better than what they are right now. So, so yes, you want to have depth, but you also – it's not – who's con- I don't see anyone coming out of the lineup for some of these guys, and that's, that's the also tug and pull of it where do some of these unrestricted free agent guys want to come here from a bad team who are playing top four minutes and be a seventh defenseman? that might not necessarily be a, a right fit to, have, to bring a guy in who's going to become the 7th D-man, who doesn't really want to be a 7th D-man, who's kind of angry, who's kind of annoyed, who doesn't fit in with this group, and you mess up chemistry by bringing a bad attitude in the lineup. So there's a lot more than just getting a guy and plugging him in the lineup because there aren't holes here for that kind of a situation.
0: Right, and like so that's where a guy like I think Luke Shen probably makes more sense than maybe a Vladislav Gavrikov Never mind the the reports that the asking price for Gavrikov is a first, a third, and a fourth, which I wouldn't give up a first-round pick straight up for Gavrikov. I think he's a perfectly fine defenseman in Columbus. But, you know, to your point about, like, what they already have on defense, is Vladislav Gavrikov a clear upgrade over what you already have? He might be. He might turn into that. But you don't know that for a fact. So, and that's a guy who's going to be a unrestricted free agent. Like is he going to be happy if he's battling with Forbord and Clifton for ice time? Uh you know, Luke Shen has done that before at least. He he was the 7th D on Tampa's back-to-back Cup teams. He's older, you know, he knows there's probably not a ton of time left for him as like a certainly not like a top 4 guy on a good team, so he might be more open to something like that. Um All right, so We touched on the idea of trading off the current roster, and, you know, do you do that if it means, like, a real true upgrade? And what has become the hottest topic on this station that really started with Jermaine Wiggins on the Greg (laughs) Hill Show. uh, But here's the thing. I don't blame Wiggy for this because this is what Wiggy does. Wiggy would be the most chaotic general manager <laughs> in sports history if he, if he were a GM. Oh, i would be great. He, he wants to trade everyone. He wants to sign Cam Newton to $100 million extensions, it, all over the place. Who, who I blame for this getting legs is Mike Milbury because he gave it some, some credence when Wiggy asked him about it, and that is the idea of potentially trading Jeremy Swayman. And, Bridget, I think we have uh, Milbury's audio here. If you believe that Omar is going to continue on this path and you, you want to make a huge splash, uh, then you have a chip that's not going to hurt you in your present run to a Stanley Cup in Swayman. If you want to get somebody that's going to make an immediate impact and maybe a guy that's going to make an impact for the future, you're going to have to give up a, a solid asset. And right now, he's a very solid asset. He's, he, I'd hate to let him go, but you, you, if you really want to make a charge at this thing, you have to put them in the the bag of assets that you're willing to discuss. Assets, by the way, just just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I want to get yours first, Razor.
1: Well, yeah. So no, <laughs> I mean no. They're they that's not. And and why I guess is the reason why I don't see it as an option. We can debate do you need another goalie? Do you need Jeremy Swain? And if Leonis is playing, like I have a lot of opinions about that as well, but if you just want to break it down and say we, you don't, then the issue is what, who are you trading him for? And, and that's the big thing. And, and I think if they had an absolute necessity as first line center, a second line center this week to get, then that might bring, People like Jeremy Swayman into the mix, but because they don't need they don't need to make a big splash, and, and that's where Mike's talking about. If they want to make a big splash, if they want to really take a run at this, they don't need to do that. Like some of these other teams have had to do, which is why Jeremy's not going anywhere. Now, let me back into that as well in how important Jeremy Swayman is and is going to be this season, and, and not even regarding what he is for the future of this team, and and how much this organization thinks of him and and how great I think he can be going down the future. Just this season, they have 27 games now in the next 53 days. They're planning on playing 28 playoff games in the 50 games starting playoffs. You're going to need them. You're going to need another goaltender at some point who can play that has the confidence and there's no one better than Jeremy Swayman at this point. They have by far the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. You don't mess with that at this point because all it takes is an MCL injury to knock out Allmark. And then you're sitting there staring at yourself in the mirror saying why we had this all set up perfectly. And now what do we do? No, our, our, he's not going anywhere.
0: <laughs> gang. He's not going anywhere. So it's okay. For first caller of the Sunday skate season, you know who it is. It's Maria right, from Watertown. I was looking forward to talking to
1: Maria all morning.
0: Yep. And I believe she has a thought on uh, this Swayman topic.
2: Hi, Maria. Oh, Hi, guys. How are you this morning? We're good. Uh, just, just on this whole topic of conversation, it, it, it's amazing to me that some talk show radio hosts think that the rest of us have no recollection and no memories of what they've said in the past. <laughs> so these, these are the very same people who were, have been crapping all over Tukarask for years perpetuating a narrative that you can't rely on him in the playoffs. So now the Bruins have two outstanding goaltenders in a year, by the way, which these very same people say, you need to go all in, you need to go all in. So why in all of what's holy, would you talk about trading either one of those guys right now? You want to talk about the off season? That's a very different conversation very different conversation, but it's just like, it's, it's such fodder that I I can't even listen to it. Sometimes I literally turn the radio off. Um, So that's what I have to say about that. And then my question to you guys related to the trade deadline is, um, you know, I'm reading and hearing a lot of things about who the Bruins or or Don Sweeney is in on. And it seems like he's looking more at um, getting some depth for the left side of the defense, which does lead me to believe that maybe he is a little concerned about um, past playoff performances by some players. And so my question to you is, how realistically do you think he can possibly do that without moving someone off the current roster to make cap space to do so? Because I just don't see how the numbers can work for this team. They are so up against it right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good question, Maria. Uh, You know, that's why, again, someone like Shen, who's making under a million dollars, that's easy to fit in. You start aiming bigger, you're right. Someone is going to have to come off, whether it's the active roster or just a cap hit, you know, you still have part of Mike Riley's cap hit working against you, even though he's in Providence. Um, You know, we've talked about, like, Craig Smith. You wonder, you know, is that a salary you would consider moving out? Guys that they've put on waivers that went unclaimed. So, you know, right. th- those... So, if,
2: yeah. if they go unclaimed, how do you deal them? Like, that, that to me tells me, you know, there's no interest in those players. And if that's the solution that you're looking at, who's going to willingly accept um, taking those players off your hands in order to create the cap space that you need, so I'm just a little concerned about how. And I, I know Don Sweeney's pulled it off before, um, and he likely may do it again. But that's just, you know, a concern of is that going to prohibit them from actually making some moves to just give them the depth that they need um, to make. The run that they should be able to make this season.
1: What's what's going to happen is we saw that with the O'Reilly deal. Maria is, is Minnesota jumps in and takes half of the cap, and so you're going to have to find third parties in a lot of these deals and a lot of these all, all the teams that are are challenging and and trying to go for it and making these big deals all are up against the cap. Leafs are were no different. Tampa, Boston, Carolina, everyone's up against the cap. So you're going to need these third party teams to take half of half of half in salary and then that daily usage of the cap does make a bit it exponentially changes as we get closer to it. so the deal that gets done today that cap number is so far less for the teams on deadline day so that's why you're also seeing some of these things get played out a little bit longer because teams want to wait on on players that they know they can get right up until the deadline and, and allow another team to jump in and take half of the retention for a fourth round pick that, that Minnesota did the other day. So there's ways around the cap issue. Bruins shouldn't have an issue with any of those. It, it's more a matter of, of picking the right player and, and if that that works for this group.
0: Yeah. And you're right. Like you'd have to throw in a sweetener uh, to get someone to retain salary or a sweetener to move one of those salaries off your roster you know, to Maria's point, like, if those guys already went on claim, no one's taking them for free. They don't have value in a trade. So you're the one who then asked, you know, like the Bruins did with David Backus a couple years ago where, you know, part of you're not trading a first-round pick just for Andre Kasha. Part of that was also to dump David Backus' salary.
1: Yeah, I don't see anyone you want to dump here either. I, I know Craig Smith. I, I like where Craig Smith is in that third, fourth line. Like, you're going to need him come playoff time. He's a veteran guy. He can chip in. He can be a good, he scored overtime goals for this Boston Bruins team. He, he hasn't had the season that everyone expects. He's not, might not be a top six guy for a Stanley cup team, but he's important piece for this. I don't think he's a guy you're going to ship off to try and save cap with a draft pick. He he's, he's valuable to this group and, and fits in really well.
0: Yeah. And you know, the one other thing you could, you can do is like, if you're looking at say a really, elite top defenseman, you know, obviously Jacob Chickrin's the big name out there, but there's even been rumors like Matthias Eckholm's name has popped back up again. You could, you know, you could trade a Grizzly or Carlo. I don't think the Bruins want to do that. Um, but, you know, to Maria's point, like, those are guys who have battled injury issues. And the reason it hurts in the playoffs when those guys go down is is that they're so important to your team. You know, mm-hmm. when Matt Grisler gets hurt in the 2019 Stanley Cup final, that hurt you. Yeah. When Brandon Carlo went down against the Islanders, that hurt. Um, the thing is, is there are so many defensemen that have those same issues. Like, we notice it with those guys because they're here. But look around the league. Like, all right, I just mentioned Chikrin is the top name in the market. Look at his injury history. He's had a bunch of them and he's only twenty four years old. So
1: Colorado lost Samuel Girard in the first round of the playoffs last season. Yep. They had to they had to duct tape their defense. And and you when you have Kale McCarr, it works, but but they lost lots of guys last season and they went through three goalies to win a cup like you Tampa is the same thing. The last few years, they you know they got to the playoffs, They got to the finals without Brayden Point last season. You're going to lose guys, and and to your point, they're going to be valuable, and, and they are going to be important. And you, you have to get some luck to to dodge those things. There's nothing you can do about it come playoff time.
0: Yeah, and on the Swayman thing, oh, before we get put to a break, ball on it, please put yeah, a ball I'll cut, on that. So put my we don't thoughts have to talk on this. Whatever again. Uh, the I think one of the biggest mistakes people are making here is the assumption and Razor, you touched on this, that they're not going to use him or need him in the playoffs. Big mistake, in my opinion. Uh, There is no guarantee that Linus Elmark is clearly better than Jeremy Swayman by the time the playoffs start. There is no guarantee that even if Elmark is your game one starter, that he holds up for four rounds if you make a run to the Stanley Cup final. I think... It is more likely than not that they're going to use both goalies at some point during the playoffs. And by the way, I'm interested. I'll, I want to get your thoughts on this after the break. I don't think it's completely out of the question that they even have some sort of rotation in the playoffs. This is working so well for them in the regular season. And I know it would be almost unprecedented to do it in the playoffs, but the elite level of goaltending that they're getting from both of these guys is also unprecedented. Um, So I, Going to get Razor's thoughts on that after the break. This is Sunday Skate. Scott McLaughlin and Andrew Raycroft.